It's a story you've heard before, and unfortunately, you've heard it again. The Chicago Bears was a primetime game 13-30 visiting the Los Angeles Chargers, and oh boy, there is a lot to talk about in this one. Nick and I will break down the good, I'm sure there's some in there, the bad, and everything in between on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? My name is Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of Dub Bears blog, here as always with my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys. And gosh, Nick, why'd they put this one in primetime? Do you know? <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, I mean, very early on, we had a very good feel for how this game would go. And unfortunately, it never changed. No. Um um we'll right. find some positives i'm sure at some point here right um is a great way to put it i mean hey and you know what you know what we could make whatever jokes we want to actually let's take it from the top because it started with a bang after an entire yes. week of people questioning whether tyson bajit could even push the ball 20 yards downfield mm-hmm. I, I mean okay so look pushing the ball downfield is a weird conversation because you had some people bringing up a combine drill that tracks throw velocity which felt ridiculous at the time and then you've got other people acting like because Brock Purdy can't throw the ball 30 yards downfield normally everybody just got lost in the sauce on what throwing downfield really is can we start there do you agree yes because because arm strength is different than how deep you can throw the ball right it can get mixed in somewhat but it's yeah, I mean, we talked about this on the Hail Mary. Right. He can throw it 60 yards. Right. Any Anybody can. But so Tyson rears back, launches a ball approximately 40 yards direct downfield, down the sidelines. I thought Darnell Mooney made a sweet adjustment to it because yes. just Bears fans, everybody, as you're thinking through the play, you saw Mooney dip into his corner and then fall away. Instead of Mooney slowing down and exposing his hands and allowing the DB to see that he's slowing down for a football, he made it look to the DB, who's just watching Mooney's eyes, like he needed to cut inside for the football to get the DB to stop before falling outwards to make sure that at the end of the day, it was only himself, Darnell Mooney, and the ball actually trying to make a catch without the DB getting in the way. That's really good receiver play. And in my opinion, is exactly what you want and see all across the league, right? That makes a quarterback's throw look even more accurate than maybe it was. We well, start and, there, right? Well, yeah. I mean, and we saw Mooney do this last year against the, the Giants early in the season, against the Vikings early in the season. And this year, we haven't seen that from Mooney. I mean, we saw him and Fields not connect early. And man, what game was that? What game was that? They missed on the one of the first plays of the game on the right side. And, was and it just, Washington? It might have been. I mean, they they just weren't connecting. So I mean, no. whether it's Bajan or whomever, it was nice to see Mooney connect. Now, I'm not. I'm not typically one of these guys. I know and we got a lot of this. And, and you're not typically one of these guys, Robert. Okay. The Bears were clearly outclassed. We'll talk about what should like what totally. could have happened to keep them closer in this game. However, Robert, I have to say this. That's a touchdown. The referees sucked. They that that's a touchdown. Is exactly what I was going for. That's a, that's a touchdown. Absolutely there, wasn't I mean, touched. There was, <laughs> like, a, there was a bunch of calls. I mean, even later in the game, there was when they stopped uh, Eckler on the fourth and short. Yep. On third and short. The left guard flinched. It was a false start. They didn't even call that one. There were so many calls. 
and again, were there calls Chicago had and they should have been penalized? Yes, but it was the discrepancy and the, um, you know, you could talk about the Cole Komet one later. Like multiple calls made the score what it really was, in my opinion. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what. In my opinion, the Chargers pulled up, right? Like this is a game, let's be so blunt, right? You and I are sitting here scraping the bottom of the barrel for interesting ways to talk about a game that in your heart of hearts, you knew was probably already over at 14 to nothing. And if you needed proof, it was over at 30 to, what was it? Was it 30 to seven? Like at that point? And that's just the early set, the early third quarter. We haven't even gotten to the fourth yet. Like, this was a blowout. And in the NFL, unlike college football, you don't put in the second string, and the second string says, oh, gee, it's our only reps. And they go out there and they play ball. Okay, let me ask you this, because we're going to have, you know, fans on both sides of this. Do you think you play this game 10 more times, or I'm sorry, nine more times, that by the third quarter, the Chargers will be up 30 to 7? I don't think every time. I think if you run the simulation, let me, okay, <clears throat> let me ask, let me dig a little deeper into your question. Are we changing the coaching staff that's running these teams? When no, we no, do no. That? no the, the same thing that happened today, the same, same people that played, yeah. So that's the trouble, right? Because the team we saw against Las Vegas, the team, frankly, we even saw in moments against Minnesota, looked like a differently coached team than this team. This team, looked like the team that lined up against Green Bay. This team looked like the team that lined up against Denver. The moment we saw this, I don't know if you had this feeling, I went, I have seen these guys before. (laughs) I know you guys. This is the Matt Eberflus regime, right? And the Mm -hmm. Matt Eberflus regime is going to need every bounce to go their way, plus a couple random misfires, I think, to beat what the Chargers brought. Because I'm assuming we don't get to change what the chargers were doing no but but i mean i I just think like everything almost literally everything went their way to be up 30 to 7 and oh yeah early in the game early in the game i had the same feeling you're talking about with the green bay game when tj edwards oh my god two different times can't tackle or guard eckler i'm like okay this is this is the aaron jones thing all over again so i went on this like epic twitter rant that i hope people listen to on the podcast and dig it up because it is pretty funny where I talked about how from the dark football business perspective, this was a huge game for Matt Eberflus and his staff to distance themselves from Justin Fields and any, any of his record, right? You had this quarterback that had won a game. And if you go into prime time and he looks okay, and the defense keeps the Chargers from blowing you out. And instead, you give the Chargers the chance to charge themselves, which mm-hmm. they do a lot, right? God forbid you win the game. But even if you're just competitive, within Vegas's nine and a half point bucket, right? Suddenly, you could sell to George McCaskey. Well, it's actually the quarterback who's 4 and 17's fault. That's, that's not us. We're mm-hmm. improving. Oh, no, Nick. Oh, no. This was a disaster. And the worst part is, is that if you and I broke down, like Kellen Moore had the Bears scheme red, like he had, he had every counter that he needed for every situation. This is, have you you seen, so speaking, have you seen uh, Herbert's, um, his spray chart? I haven't seen the spray chart. I I, I haven't pulled up because it's something I think that is so telling. (laughs) What did you see? 
So this is going to hurt you. So I think we're talking about the same thing, the game plan. Right. Okay. So, so, okay. How about, okay. Then let me ask you, since you haven't seen it, what do you think the Chargers game plan was? Um, so I got the impression that the Chargers game plan was to dunk the ball underneath on first and second down when they knew that they would get zone. And then if they did end up in a third and medium or a third and long, they expected man coverage. So they would call pick routes or rubbing routes like we saw in the end zone that uh, they got Jalen Johnson on a rub over the middle on mesh so that they could break the guy open or they'd just call curls and ask their guy to go out there and beat the CB across from them. But that was the gist of what I saw. I mean, Herbert didn't start with 15 straight completions on accident. Right, right. So, so here's, here's some interesting stats. I mean, for you and everyone listening, you, you know, which is weird, by the way, sometimes I'm doing this podcast. I'm like, I feel like I'm just talking football with you. Right. And then I forget that people listen to this too, but which, okay. listener, you. yeah, listeners too. You, you might let you, well, you might hate this, but it's just interesting. Herbert averaged 4.9 air yards per attempt, Not tonight, which is the second lowest of his NFL career. And that was a big, big pushback when Lombardi was his OC. It's like, oh, he's got this cannon. They're not letting him push it down the field. But when you look at everyone who was hurt and, you know, Palmer got banged up, Everett didn't play, you know, they don't have Mike Williams and, and Guyton, I think, is hurt too. So, like, they're losing so many guys. And in theory, okay, if I was a coach, which I am, but, you know, if I, for the Bears, mm-hmm. I'd be like, hmm, they don't have – all of these guys, I might not have Stevenson and Johnson bailing at, you know, zone technique starting at eight or nine yards and just letting everything go underneath. And then the other thing that's interesting with the spray chart, there's a, there's a big divide here, Robert, where it has outside the left hash. Okay. There's not one completion that is beyond five yards interesting on the entire left side of the field now the right side of the field okay who's the corner over there robert well they'd shifted a lot but i'm gonna assume it's tyreek stevenson i mean they 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 beat on him bad i mean basically in my opinion it was the game plan was throw underneath tons of screens eckler allen you know they're smart crafty route runners they'll get some yards after reception and then just throw at 29 because he was the second leading tackler on the team tonight with 12 tackles. Oh, that's gross, and I hate that. And so I'll that t- I'll tell yeah, you what you. drives me nuts is you and I have talked about this. We talked about how Matt Eberflus allowed the Raiders to line Devontae Adams up across from Tyreek Stevenson and free release whenever he wanted to. This is that game plan you just described, that has been seven opponents' game plans. Like yep. that's, this isn't new. I mean, the bears get screened and underneath thrown to death. I mean, it's what Baker was doing in a lot of cases. And then when you need a play, you go at 29. Why would you go at 33? Right. right. And I mean, it's the kind of a door thing all over again. Oh yeah. Throw that way. And I mean, it's, Hey, I guess you could call that a hat tip to Jalen Johnson. Who's had himself a really nice season, yep. but also it's why would I go with the hard one? And, And the Bears not doing anything to make that life more difficult for the opposing offense. And as we've seen now, so the last two weeks, right? Because I've seen a lot of people getting really hype 
over what the defense has been doing for the last two weeks. And look, as we should, I'm I'm also not trying to break the glass, Nick, but there's asterisks on both like sequences, because on Mm -hmm. one sequence, you have the Vikings the week after the guy who runs 50 percent of their playbook had gone down. The, or the Vikings not really having much of a rhythm in the wake of losing Justin Jefferson. That can't be that surprising in retrospect, right? And right. then also the Raiders the week after losing their starting quarterback and after they promoted a quarterback in Brian Hoyer that I don't think had as much time with the team as we might let on. I mean, Hoyer played himself a bad game. And yes, sure. We can give the Bears credit to helping him play that bad game, but now we get an now we get a Kellen Moore led, Justin Herbert fueled passing attack, and even down a bunch of receivers. They made this look way too easy. And I can't tell if I'm just somebody who masks masquerades as a moderate person, but it's actually a hot take artist. God, I don't. I hope that's not me, but I am disgusted. That's my word from this game that this bears defense built and architected by a defensive head coach. And we know it was hand built and hand architected by this head coach because he's been leading and calling the defense for five weeks. Now looked like it had no chance. Did you see differently? Because it looked to me like if they had gotten a stop through those first five possessions, it had, it had to be penalty assisted or more or less by accident. You know what I mean? Well, well, the the first drive of the game, they went 92 yards and they had one third down. Like one. it was like not even close. Here, here's the other thing that I think we have to give the Bears defense a little bit of credit. Sure, Justin Herbert's a top five quarterback in the yes. NFL, and Chicago will not face another quarterback like him the rest of the year. The only other good quarterback I would say right now is Jared Goff because you got Carr, Young. Uh, I mean. Jaron Hall, R.I.P. Kirk Cousins, which just sucks. Seriously. No, that's super I, injury, sucks. injuries suck, and I like Kirk Cousins. I think he gets such a bad rap. I mean, that just sucks for him today, and and the Vikings. Um, I mean, whatever Watson is with the Browns now, if he's back, I mean, he's not good right now. Yeah, that's if he's back. I mean, Dobbs and Kyler Murray for Arizona for their back. Then you got so, Ritter, and then you got Love. But the problem that I have with this conversation, Nick, is that the Bears' schedule is despicably easy. I mean, I think yeah. we would both agree with this. The issue is, is that that doesn't that shouldn't affect our opinion positively of the Bears' defense. And I'm I promise I'm not trying to be angry for angry's sake. But if the goal is to win in the playoffs, you have to beg the question: What would Tua Tagovailoa do? What would uh, honestly? I mean, let's start with Goff, but raise the bar to Allen to. Uh, Tua, or we already said Tua, Mahomes is the one that I was working towards. Like Lamar Jackson, there are so many of these other quarterbacks. That you, the Bears, you didn't see Brock Purdy. Interesting. I, it, weird. Um, <laughs> but like the Bears have this defense that when a quarterback and an offense have like a plan of how to attack the zone and the man, and they're ready for the blitz because that's the other thing. The the Chargers ate when the Bears blitzed. They were not scared. They had every ability to just get the ball out to somebody and punish with screens or punish with Austin Eckler in the open field. Honestly, beautiful game plan. And I don't want to tip my hat too hard to Kellen Moore, but he did one of the best jobs we've seen in weeks. I mean, I'm I'm just trying to talk you and everyone off the ledge because we have to acknowledge Herbert is elite. That's the thing. And, And hold on. And that 
this isn't a playoff team. We, no. How many of us had Chicago as a playoff team? Not um, many. You, wait, hang on. Hang on. We definitely got there in our season predictions. Yes. We got not, to... not right now. Not right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so, and we knew we were pieces away. So like totally. If if this is if this was next year when we had we signed Chase Young, we spent two first rounders on D-line and something else and then the whole defense is complete crap, sure. But I'm just saying like it's not a complete unit. Plus totally. Plus this... Totally. Oh, I'm not trying to cut you off. I thought you were no, okay. going. But plus the other part of this is and what's interesting with the spray chart that I want to get to as well uh-huh. is if you were designing the game plan, I get the underneath part, but why <laughs> wouldn't you pick on Harmon and Hicks at safety. They weren't challenged at all the whole Man, game. I am getting the impression that challenging a safety is, it must be harder than it seems because there are so many teams, I'm looking at you, Green Bay, that have major problems at safety and they go unchallenged for the most part. And I mean, I get it. Picking out where a safety is going to be and specifically targeting with the them with a play call involves like, three to three and a half seconds of pocket time, you can only do it so often, right? Or you just guess that they're going to be in like cover three sky and have the safety rolling down. And then you mm-hmm. test him as a tackler. That's what they did with Elijah Hicks. He failed that test. And <laughs> I, th- I think what I'm trying to get at Nick, cause that's the thing. I appreciate talking off the ledge. I never really want to be on the ledge. It's more to say, I didn't expect this bears defense to be great. Right. But looking non-competitive, I can't help but look and say, okay, so if we did add a Chase Young, and let's say that by some miracle, the Bears add like a Dallas Turner, and he's amazing, or a Chop Robinson, and he's amazing, which I doubt. I don't think those players are going to be that kind of good, right? But let's pretend they did. So now you you might have a defense that's definitely better, but would it be good or better because the scheme is good or better? Or would it be good or better because it's living off the backs of the talent? And at some point, basically, I mean, this is really the thesis, right, Nick? Are we allowed to just be frustrated about the job that Matt Eberflus seems to be doing or not doing? And say, you you preach this hits thing that sounds like somebody, or something that somebody would say in high school, and these guys can't even tackle. On the national oh, stage. Oh, that was so bad. Like, we're going to play a rally tackle defense, and the plan did not work. We got the looks we wanted, and they beat us with the looks we wanted. That's what I'm frustrated about, right? If this was, they came at us, and they stretched us in ways we didn't see coming, and we weren't prepared for, that I say, okay, they got us. Sometimes you do get outcoached. This was, we deployed our plan. We got them to do what we wanted them to do, and they hung 30 on us in an instant, and the game was mm-hmm. over before we knew it. That's what has me hot and burnt up. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, we I was there in the second quarter, and I'm just like, well, we, we suck, you know, basically. The um the, the tackling thing is probably, like, the most annoying part about it, in my opinion, because, like, if you are a zone and rally to the ball, why why are we so, like soft with it we like it's like we're like okay we'll just wait and then he'll come to us and we'll tackle right him. like like i'm thinking of the, there was a play on the the left side of the Chargers formation where donald parham humongous human being like like tall <laughs> not an agile man at all and elijah hicks one-on-one and hicks like waits for him and then goes to like try and wrap him up and he just gets stiff-armed because it was like literally um, um, who was the guy that beat Mike Tyson? 
the oh man the, are you talking about like george foreman no no like like the no. the, the, the buster buster something buster douglas so buster douglas had like a six inch reach advantage on on tyson that's right. that's what it reminded me of it's like it's like peewee you know and and robert and you guys are like you know you're in the game and you're playing as peewees you're like hey little kid get away like i don't know like, little kids you... might outreach me i've got pretty short arms <laughs> like <laughs> like you need to like in theory my, my goal for you know when i coach even the backs is you're <laughs> you're submarining basically at the outside knee because if he stops or cuts inside, then Flo is going to come and get him, especially with a six-eight tight end. Right. But no, we're doing like like Stevenson on the touchdown he allowed to Parham again. Like he's kind of waiting, and then he gets outside of him. Just go hard at his outside and make him go inside. Like it's this this just basic stuff all the time. And again, I saw Edmonds again waiting instead of going after somebody. Yep. Edwards at least is aggressive. Um, I like that part of him. Um, missed it, missed a few, but like the the tackling is just the tackling is awful tonight. I'm not saying the Bears play good defense tonight. They no, play bad. That it really to me, Nick. What what bums me out? What grinds my gears? What gets me upset is that the Bears plan couldn't have been like we could sit here and we could say, oh well, if they execute this better than this, the Bears allowed. 18 first downs. So this is after the first five drives. I went and counted, right? Five drives, 27 points have happened. They're at 6.6 average yards per play. Not good. Not good so far. No. But what really kills is that they've allowed six, 18, 18 first downs, 16 passing first downs, one rushing first down, one rush or one first down by penalty. How many third downs had they forced at that point? If you wanted to guess. Four, seven. They so they had they had the Chargers had picked up five. The Bears had stopped two. So that is eighteen first downs gained to seven third downs created at all. And when I look at that, of course execution can always be better. But it felt as if the plan just didn't work. And it's a story we've seen before, where they go up against the Chiefs. And the plan is part of the problem. They go up against the Bucks, and the plan is part of the problem. And then they go up against Denver. And for some reason, Denver just forgot how to scout the defense and had to rewrite the plan in the second half, at which point the plan became part of the problem that I just can't help looking back and saying, if our defensive philosophy doesn't work, what reason do I have to get excited about Matt Eberflus coming back in 2024? That's the only question. Like, of course, it's a bad game. Do I expect that the Bears are going to get teeth kicked like this for the rest of the season? Like you're saying, probably not. Because the defense that this, or the quarterbacks that this defense was built to stop, well, that's the caliber quarterback they're going to be playing for most of the rest of the season. Guys that make mistakes, right? Well, And and we'll probably have at least one of our starting safeties, you think, at least. You know, at this point, I'm not counting on it. But I, you're probably right. If, if that mono keeps spreading that secondary room, I'm telling you what, we're gonna have some questions going. On. I'm not, <laughs> doesn't mono. I don't know what he has, but sick all week is not good. So. No, no, there's a lot of illness. There's a lot more illness than usual. So, so there's there's two things I got to talk about with the defense. I want to get to. Um, one of the things was like very interesting and unique, and one is a positive. Okay, because I want to I want to send positive out there. That I, I like I, I'm sure you'll agree with me on this one. 
So one, the unique one is there was a blitz Kyler Gordon had where he was like literally like Spider-Man, like crouching down and like hiding behind. And I was like, I love that. He's someone I love enjoying watching playing yes. football. Like he is a unique talent. And I think that he's going to be an asset, no matter the coach, the scheme, whatever moving forward. Um, I mean, he didn't do great in the run game at times tonight, but I mean, I think that's what you're going to get from a nickel. Right. Um, but the one bear that I want to be positive on tonight on defense, Javon Dexter. Mm-hmm. I think he's a dude, man. He's figuring it out. And I mean, he's going to be a dude. The beauty of a guy like Gravon Dexter, and frankly, also the beauty of a guy like Zach Pickens. So my opinion, it is hard to succeed on the defensive line if you're not bigger, faster, stronger than the offensive lineman across from you. You kind of need to be a super athlete in some form or fashion. You'll get right. the occasional technician, but when you got to anchor against a double team, you just kind of need to be a super person or you're not going to be able to handle two guys. It's the skin of it. Right. Yep. And yep. so take or taking a kid like Gervon Dexter, who always had just outrageous physical gifts. I mean, go watch him at Florida. There's no yeah. technique there. They, they, it's as if they didn't try to they may have tried to teach him technique and he may not have like really internalized it because he seems like do you get. Do you get this impression? He seems like the kind of guy that isn't going to learn it until he has to learn it. Not because he's like, I don't know, mentally slow or something. But more because when you when you tell him, hey, your hand placement can be better, he's going to be like, why, though? I feel very much like this, where you need to be presented with a challenge that raises your level of play to recognize why your level of play needs to be raised. And then you can keep it there. Right. Well, well you, you mean like because other things have just always worked and you didn't need. Well, that's the thing. Like Gervon Dexter's things. game against Kentucky. He's just standing up and waiting through the line. Like it, right. he doesn't even need a pass rush move. Well, it's, he's it, just walking through him. And the other thing that I, I had talked to you about this, I believe um, maybe one of our first episodes talking about Dexter was in college. He played so many snaps yes. that he was tired. People were like, Oh, he's taking plays off. Yeah. Cause he's playing more snaps than like go to Bama. Look how many snaps they play. Not many. Okay. They no. rotate all the time. And in Florida, they didn't have someone, but Dexter had to. So now when he is, and when we're when we're thinking about it, he is our second best defensive tackle, and it's not even close. Right. Um, but he's not starting because he needs to work up, I think, more of that snap share within that that room. And I'm okay with that for now. Like just just refine your technique. Let's get the positives going because we talked about this, right? What do I want this season? I want progression of skill development from our young players. And the good news is, is that as much as I'm whining about the defensive structure, you're still gonna get a lot of that. I mean, the Tyreek Stevenson is getting markedly better. I thought the first DPI that he had against him is a 50-50 call where his reputation probably pushed the call over the line. It's totally just my opinion, right? But he's known as an interferer, and referees are watching for a little more interference from 29. And then later in the game, he had a really nice rep against Keenan Allen that almost resulted in his, I think it's it would be his first interception of the season, right? He doesn't have one yet. Mm-hmm. He went in preseason, but the ball bounced off his finger, and you could tell he jammed it. And he was like, "Yeah, oh yeah, he had it, yeah. it. <laughs> right." Well, I, I, but I. So we're we're very different on Tyreek Stevenson right now. Like you're you're more pro him than I am. But until we have someone else there, unless Terrell Smith, you know, I, the tough part with Terrell Smith with Mono is if he loses much weight, 
Oh, yeah. Strength. He he might not be back this year, but this is he. I'm kind of looking at Tyreek Stevenson like kind of like Justin Fields, where it's like either you're going to show that you're the guy or you're going to replace in the offseason because right now you can't have that as your other corner when it's like it's so easy. Either it's going to be a completion or a PI about two thirds of the times passes go that way. So, so go ahead. So, so that's just how I view it. Like, he, like it's going to be trial by fire. Sure. You, you can start the rest of the way, man. And let's see if you get the development. If you don't, then, then you're probably going to be a backup. I think there are too many of these plays where the quarterback just extends the clock and gets to throw an uncontested ball. That ball we saw Justin Herbert throw when TJ Edwards decided screw this guy's ribs. Like the hit that he <laughs> laid on Justin Herbert, that ball is something you see, I would argue, like five to six times a normal NFL game, like your standard rushed, uh, somebody would call it an anticipation throw, but it's it's not really anticipation. It's more like a save my life throw. You know what yep. I'm saying? Yep. And you don't see that nearly ever. Instead, Herbert gets to step into a throw 3.25 seconds into the play clock running. And it's it's just no way to live at corner. And I understand that I'm really soft on rookie DBs. I am. The only rookie DB I'm even modestly hard on is Terrell Smith because I feel like a lot of people misunderstand what Terrell Smith did well. Like Terrell Smith rallied to the ball and still missed a bunch of tackles in limited mm-hmm. time because he's a rookie. And when he got asked to be in true man coverage, people just ran straight by him. But he had a really nice PFF grade. So a lot of people look at that and they go, hey, this guy did pretty well. And I'm like, mm-hmm. he did pretty well, but kind of like Kyler Gordon on outside corner in the middle part of the season. He's doing well for now. But if I can pick up how to beat this guy, which would be just run straight past him or at least stem 10 yards and then break, people would have started beating him if he had a more direct role. Even then, even then, Nick, I would have still been positive on him because rookie DPs should look like Emmanuel Forbes. Rookie well, yeah, DPs. Yeah, they, they need time. They need time. I get it. But I'm in my mind, if you're building this how you want to and, and what we think is going to happen, a new regime, they they don't they're not gonna have the same ties to Stevenson. So like no, they're that's not. why it's gonna be trial by fire here. And it is. And I mean, like you're saying, I mean, Kendall Vildor went from starting for the pace regime to gone, straight up gone in 2023. Yeah, so I mean, not could, not on a team yet. Still, right? He a, talked about going on a practice squad, but I don't think he made it. Right. I mean, and it's a uh what the NFL stands for not for long. It would be a trial by fire, but I think Stevenson is at least getting all the learning reps that I would want to see. And he's coming up with breakups that are repeatable. And if anything, I love the fact that we're seeing him out duel or have to duel the flag because that to me speaks to a learning process. As we go through this, we're what averaging like almost one flag a game at this point, they said he's like tied for seventh in top corners. Yeah. But it's up there. I have seen some guys who get two flags in a drive let alone one flag in a game. Is it, is it Stevenson? Is that the guy? I'm uh, just messing with you. He was I, early. It's yeah, no. to your point, like the bears, I think anyways, schematically are hanging him out to dry a little bit. I've seen even Madden defenses. If you pick up on, I'm talking the Madden computer will throw a linebacker into the flat and send the corner into like cover four. So you'll mm. get that like underneath over look just to try to, 
capitalize on somebody trying to pick on a corner explicitly. Yeah. Bracket. Yet the Bears aren't doing nothing. They're like, oh, you lost one-on-one? Too bad. And I I can't help but look at that, and it's like, okay, so I put that on the coaching. Obviously, we still want the corner to live up to it, but it's evaluated the Bears' defense, like you're saying, and implying is kind of a mixed bag because you get some players like Tremaine Edmonds, Tyreek Stevenson, where whether or not you like them is going to be impacted by their production. Their production is really bad because this whole defense falls apart after the quarterback holds the ball for three seconds. It doesn't work based on the way that they call it. So how, how much have you looked at the stats from this game? A lot? Um, like the box stats or like the advanced stats? Well, so no, here's my question. So don't look. Have you looked at the, the Chargers rushing yards per carry? It's not good, right? 2.2. So right. like, so like still, and again, they had some chunks early, but they had some TFLs later in the game. And, and they when had 25 attempts. Where'd those attempts come from? The end of the game? Like, right. I mean, like, so, I mean, they, I, they didn't really have any like super long runs, <laughs> but like, again, run defense was stout, which means the whole thing was we can't tackle and everyone's catching like every open target on us. Like it's ridiculous. We've had this, we made this joke back during the Vikings game where we talked about how the Vikings had this one drive where at the end of the first half, they got put in a two-minute situation where they had to pass on every down, and they just didn't think twice about how they moved through the Bears' defense like butter on that drive because they didn't. It's like Washington. Remember Washington? Like, ah, screw running. We'll just throw it the whole time. And, hey, kudos to – kudos to – I keep wanting to say Elijah Moore. It's bad. Uh, Kudos to Kellen Moore. For saying the Bears are weak when we throw the ball. Why would we do anything else? I mean, Herbert had to cruise to the easiest 298 yards, three touchdowns, 122.7 quarterback rating of his life. Well 7. over 75 like, yards per pass, 7.5. Unbelievable. And we're just talking about the defense. We haven't even gotten to the offense yet, but it did feel to me like the offense became a bit of an afterthought as soon as it was 14 nothing. We, well, I we, mean, yeah. If you if you're not gonna stop them, ever expecting Bajan to outgun basically Justin Herbert just isn't realistic. So transitioning to offense, I have the end of play is where I want to start. The one to Mooney, or you talk about the kneel down. The kneel down, man. You and everybody else, everybody's mad. What this are we, like, okay, so 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 we're gonna go for two points after a touchdown when the game is decided. We're gonna do the onside. We're gonna stop them and use timeouts, and then we're gonna kneel for. Okay, this is the, there's gonna be like one listener that's gonna get this one. Okay, Ricky Waters one time came across the middle when he played with the Eagles, and he alligator armed it, and they and they were in the locker room and and questioned him on it, and he said, "For who? For what?" That's what I think. What are you kneeling for? What? He might throw another pick. You can at least work on some concept or at least work on something to try to get better. Kneeling accomplishes nothing. Right. A friend of mine made the joke that somebody may have gotten in the bear's ear and told him, hey, why are we putting anything on tape? New Orleans is going to see this tape. And (laughs) that is just the stupidest rationale that I could envision. Maybe some coach is thinking, no, 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 man, that's actually pretty smart. But like, like you're saying, 
once you've committed to we're going to be the team that tries for 60 minutes no matter the score, we're the fighting Texas A&M, fighting Texas Aggies, and we never lose. We just run out of time. That's a real thing that school says. You got to love them for it. They say but, that? Yes. <laughs> but it's one of my favorite <laughs> football facts. It's, you, it's Texas A&M? That's Texas A&M, baby. Okay, so say, say it again. I am, I am a Baylor Bear, so I am saying it pretty tongue-in-cheek. But the fighting Texas Aggies of Texas A&M University say we never lose. We just ran out of time, which is what gets obviously this creates some really great memes when they lose 59 to nothing to Alabama in like 2014 or whatever it was where it's like, man, that comeback. That was going to be insane. But <laughs> anyways, if you're going to have that attitude like you're talking about, you got to play it to the end. I mean, it, the only grace I will ever give the like a coach in that scenario is I have way more problems with what happened when the game was like competitive than I do at the end because Nick, if you were that head coach, so now Nick Whalen is where Matt Eberflus was and a league official walks over to you on the sidelines and says, Hey man, you got to cut this out. This game is over. It's over. And now you're a player safety problem. And if somebody gets hurt, like the right. league is going to file something against right. you in injuries are the only thing, but I dictate my program. And like, if I'm, yes, losing, you do. I want, I want to get my young guy development and I want to try something. I want to see if he understands this. I want to see if they're going to do this side adjustment, something. I agree. Just generally speaking, I sit here and I'm like, if it's a player safety problem, the Chargers are going to put their twos in. Right. Like, yeah. uh, where, I'm not saying that I would have been super hardcore. I probably would have been besides myself and given up, which is why I'm not a head coach. Uh, but the <laughs> it's a joke, by the way. But the like you have three timeouts. You you take them with you. You're gonna try to roll them over to get six timeouts in the next half after Gosh. going through all the motions of feel acting like a game that's out of hand is within yeah, then, hand. Then don't do the onside. Then don't then don't right. then don't don't have submarine your quarterback two times right. in a row where you saw Purdy get concussed. Then don't like, like it doesn't go right. together. Do you know what I mean? Either oh. you're all in or you're all out, which is the mark of a lot of the people that we dislike the most, not just you and me, Nick, but like, this is a real thing where if Brandon Staley was analytics forward, literally every time, I think a lot of people would have less issues than the fact that now he's wishy-washy about it. He's analytic forward sometimes. It, Other to, to times, tonight, I, I expect him to go for more tonight, but he knew he was going to win. He's like, okay, this game's exactly. already over. Against, so. People forget this, but a lot of defenses, and the Bears may actually encounter this later in the season, a lot of defenses can end up with bizarrely inflated statistics when the offense bottoms out across from them because other offenses understand that they're going to get the ball back and they're just not worried, right? Yeah, you right. you can run your vanilla offense. You literally don't have to put anything new on tape. You can only call things you have already used and still grind out a good old-fashioned NFL 24 to, what, nine win? Like, and you see it. You saw it during, what, the 2020 season, the 2021 season, where teams would just be like, this team can't score on us. But the, let's... Let's get to the topic at hand. Well, I, well, yeah. well, I have I have gripe number two. Can I just go through my gripes, or do you, go or do you want to a... go through your gripes? Okay, next gripe. Okay, fourth and short, we give the ball to Roshan Johnson. I think I believe it was Roshan. It was. The, the, and 
the running back doesn't matter to me here. What matters to me is, first of all, uh, Darnell Wright missed his block. Yes. Okay. The worst part of this play, and again, you know, Robert's a head coach. Listener, you're a head coach, okay? You're you're scheming this up, okay? There is someone called Joey Bosa across. And he, again, we talked about this. Joey Bosa isn't Nick Bosa, but he's still a good player. He's not a great player right now. He's trying to come back, I think, after the injury last year. Anyways, would you block him with, you know, an offensive lineman or your best offensive lineman right now, Darnell Wright, or... A tight end, and not even your best blocking tight end, no. Mercedes Lewis. Would you block him with Cole Komet? That's what Chicago did. They chose Cole Komet against Joey. Joey beats him inside. Darnell Wright whiffs on his block. Roshan Johnson just gets stuffed when they needed a yard. Like and It's just like, to do something like that, just don't mess up. And the Chargers weren't really the let's see. They were just like, okay, nope. You got stuffed. I can't say it's the exact same formation because I do not have an eidetic memory, but lining up in fourth and one, just so that you can run a deep handoff, winding the memory back, Nick, it felt like the only reason they chose that formation, which is a choice that they don't pick the formation on accident was so that they could threaten the Tyler Scott, uh, like receiver jet that they did the week before. They wanted to say, well, you know, on third and one, we actually ran Tyler Scott like laterally yep. last time. So this time we're going to threaten that and then we're going to run it up the gut with Roquan. And that is out thinking yourself <laughs> like yes. the, the yeah. play works. It probably if Darnell Wright hits his block, we right. can overanalyze this where oh, yeah. oh, for sure. The probably. moment like that, he, he, you can just not block him up, but you can at least just cut him off a little bit. And like then he got beat, there. beat. He got yeah, he, he got like. If any Chargers creator that's out there on the All-22 is going to get like 250 likes minimum by posting that snap and being like, ooh, he beat Darnell Wright. Well, and it, it should have been a hold. I think Wright was holding him, too, and they didn't call it. Well, but, Wright likes to cheat when he's beat, and we love him yeah. for that. Uh, every, every lineman does. You, you know what I would have respected him more for, Robert? Instead of like that design... Because to me, that design would be fine if you were running left or you're running A-gap, but they were running B-gap, which... You know, for people listening, that's between your guard and your tackle. It didn't make sense to me. What what I would have respected him more with the, you know, talking the design of like the threat mm -hmm. of Tyler Scott and we're just, they, they scouted us. So now we're going to do something else on top of this wrinkle is if they would have went full out like play action and he would have taken a deep drop and they took some deep shot to like Mooney or more or Scott, like who cares? Like you're down by a bunch and you're like, I just want to sh put this on film that it, on fourth and short, we we can throw this deep ball, whether you complete it or not. I would have respected him more than counting on Cole Komet to block Joey Bosa to get a fourth and one. What has always driven me crazy, and maybe it's just something I don't understand about football. I don't think it is, but maybe, because this is now two Bears regimes that have done this, Nick, is the Bears regime, the only play that they will call that is the like, our guys on their guys, the mano a mano, the our guys are going to win their matchups. Like plays are the most basic run call in their playbook. 
the easiest to defend run call, the ones that generate the least natural movement, the ones mm -hmm. that involve the least natural leverage. Like, do we ever do an our guys versus their guys trap run? Of course not. Do we ever do an our guys on their guys pitch? Of course not. Like Counter? I mean, anything, man. Anything. No. Instead, it's just going to be inside zone on fourth and one, which I thought we abandoned in 2013. Like we stopped doing the deep handoff up the gut 10 years ago on fourth and one because we realized it had just this horror show conversion rate. I would have rather tush pushed at that spot yeah. than that play call. But like we even saw the Chargers. The Chargers brought in an O lineman and put him at fullback. I mean, you're going to do this. Go 1994 on me. Get blasting game in there. Get get Mercedes Lewis, pack it in, and and you're gonna ram that in there. No, they went. Was, was it even? Was it shotgun? I couldn't remember. I think it was under center. Yeah, the it other? was under center because but the Scott jet comes under deep? center. Well, I think handing it off under the shotgun is worse personally because you it have to worse. stack the running back almost eight yards deep. That's a long way. That's a well, long. I, I, that's way. why I expected it to be out of the shotgun. You right. Know? It, but so, like, for me, I look at this game and I think to myself, man, there were so many pieces to this run game that were working. So I I think Luke Getze thinks that a lot of the stuff in the Bears run game doesn't work if the threat of inside zone doesn't work. And I couldn't disagree with him more. I think you can get your toss game working to feed back into your ins mm -hmm. your between the tackles running but instead it feels as if the bears let's let me use a, an example the bears hit this deep shot to darnell mooney on a minus ev play and what i'm saying is like throwing goes down the sidelines is traditionally a great way to lose games this is not a good throw this is like, you know what I'm saying, Nick? Like in the but, wide but it's, world. Of, it's not a, it's not a normally a turnover worthy play because no, it's so far outside, but no, it's no, normally an incompletion. It's normally an incompletion. Yeah. It's an almost, when I say minus EV, I'm not saying it's a turnover worthy play. I'm saying it is more off. It is so much more often than not an incompletion than a big play that it like when you average them out, usually if you're trying to throw down the sidelines all game, the defense has you beat. But we complete it. Darnell Mooney mm -hmm. kind of gets hosed by the referee. But a 40-yard gain, we're knocking on the door on the 40. Couldn't ask for better. Couldn't ask for better. Like on the first play of the game. Next play, we are going to just shotgun, run it up the middle. We we don't, we gain maybe a yard. And then the next play, we run an end around. Because we're just so creative. And we lose two yards. Wasn't it the Trent Taylor? Yes. Why what? Trent Taylor? What? Like, I don't want to be the guy who points too many fingers at personnel usage, but like, man, we brought him in so that he could catch punts. Why do we keep working him in on the Isn't offense? Isn't that why Bayless Jones is on the team? Right? Or Tyler, Tyler Scott, Scott, the former running back? Or DJ freaking Moore? Like, are we not outthinking ourselves? Like, I'm not one of these people that thinks that you need to use number two to touch the ball a million times a game. That's a fantasy world that would be awesome if it worked. It, it doesn't normally work that way. But right. you and I could name all three of the quote-unquote top Bears receivers and also Valus, and they all make more sense to get that yeah. ball. Well, it's just like the fourth and short. We, we all could find better tight ends that could block or other formations. The the the, the, the yeah. phrase I always use, Robert, and I don't know, I, I think this might be a little bit me being a jerk, but I've used <laughs> this one. You said overthinking, right? 
I always tell people when like they're getting into something like that. I'm like, well, you're not underthinking it. <laughs> so I just lead them into it. I mean, Trent Taylor on the end round, and then okay, and then oh Tyson. Okay, now you got you have to convert this super long third down. And then Cody Whitehair gets walked back. The, sorry, the ghost of Cody Whitehair gets walked no back kidding. into an easy sack punt. Oh, I'm, then it's 14 nothing. Like I'm really interested to, to see what the film is going to show, if only because at that point, I mean, I, I'm surprised at a little bit of the Bears' decision-making, but hindsight is 20-20, right? Where the Bears wanted to get their run game going. They call, quote-unquote, a normal run play, like a staple. It doesn't work. Then they call a creative run play. I just wish they'd picked a better of either of them. Like yeah. I, I thought that this defense was weaker outside the tackles than between the tackles. And I understand targeting the chargers nose tackle. You did this. You said, which side is going to, which side's weak link is going to win a uh, definitive victory for the chargers because Lucas which, Patrick. And, <laughs> yeah. Which also Jatari Carter should be playing. That's yeah. what it says. It's it was just so ugly. It was so ugly. And people have said this for Justin Fields. We've said this for Justin Fields for what? Three years now? Three years now? Tyson Bajan gets to join the club where we it's not that I'm about to say Tyson Bajan played well. If I was going to break it down to tools, I'm glad we got to see the arm a little bit. Tyson's yep. got a complete arm. Can he make all the throws? I do not think so. Like CJ Stroud today threw a bullet in between three zone defenders for a first down before also like then CJ Stroud went pretty much nuclear and didn't didn't complete anything for the rest of the yeah. game. Oh, that was bad. And <laughs> lost bad nuclear. Carolina. Come rip, on. Rip Stroud. us. Rough day for a rough day. Like too bad. But the point is, is that there's this like fastball that Bajant doesn't have. But what he does have is the like, I don't know. I'd call it a cutter for my baseball fans out there just because it's like, it's not a fastball, but it's pretty fast. Uh, and that's that like zone ball that he hit really late in the game uh, that cut on a big post. But outside of that, man, like there's the Valus play that we have to talk about that. I think <laughs> Valus Jones, he made that look. So we've talked about how Darnell Mooney made Tyson Bages throw look even better than it did, than it was. Valus Jones made a not great, but definitely not awful throw look terrible and uncatchable. Like, well, Valus, I, I thought Bajan just took it off. He's like, oh, he's open. He just lofted it. He's that's like, it, the it, thing. There. Most receivers that I have watched in the NFL throttle down when they realize they are HFS open, like in, in the end zone. They're not expecting the quarterback to try to throw it out the back of the end zone and lead you like a doofus. Obviously, they like and, and then and then he on the ground. It's like, oh, it's still right he's here. He's still in some of the and chest. Then, like, like it was the it was like the most hilarious. It was if you could literally like like you go to the NFL. Like, okay, you're okay. Here's here's the next play in the script. Okay. What's the most Vegas Jones play that we could do? It really was. Oh, oh, there's a guy in the back with a hand raised. I got it. Mailbox okay. him. All right, ready? So there's a backup quarterback already in for Chicago, and they're excited about him, right? Right. Okay. Right. And 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 they're trailing this game, and they really need a big play. Yeah. And then yeah. 
Bayless Jones, because he's fast, goes right by everybody. And they're like, really? People are going to believe go. that? No Bayless Jones that right past everybody? Just, just they're like, we'll guard the other guys. We're not even going to guard him. You know what I mean? It's like oh, that yeah, guy yeah, yeah. in the pickup game. He's Riding like, I'm down open his for notes. three. And you're like, he can't make a three, you right, know? Right. And, and the guy's like, oh, this is a good script play. Okay, keep going. It's like, okay, so. Exactly. I've got it in the my end notes. Zone. The quarterback's like, I'm just going to throw this like a punt. Just like, it's like, he'll, he'll get underneath it, you know? But right when you think he's going to make the play, he slips and falls. But he doesn't slip and fall, and it's like he's not even close to the ball. He slips and falls, and the ball is still right there. And he's 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 still looking, and he puts both arms, and it goes right between the arms. But it's still it's laying there, like it's like toying with you, you know. Like literally minutes go by. It's like is he going to corral it? And then it falls on the ground. If that's I... a good play, that's a good play. Let, let's put that in. Let's fit that in. We're not going to put that in a regular play for the NFL script let's put in the national one yeah good idea (laughs) if I was Valus Jones agent my heart would have fallen out of you know where like (laughs) to me and I'm not trying to be ridiculous that's the kind of play you may never live down like that's Javon Wims in the end zone in the playoffs ball goes straight through his hands which is hilarious because there's a play you could argue whims should be even better known for like the punch definitely heard around chicago but like you ask people about javon whims and they remember dropping that ball in the playoffs and valus dropping that like you can live down the, the dropping the ball against dallas you can live down dropping a couple punts in a horrible rookie season, getting that open, that open and not catching the football. That's the thing. Like until I see the all 22, I don't have any idea whether it was accurate or not from Tyson Bajan, but I really swear, man, you tell me you've coached quarterbacks. I've seen a thousand quarterbacks take speed and air off the ball and just lollipop it into the end zone saying to themselves, I'm going to throw the most catchable football I've ever thrown in my life. And somehow Valus must not have picked it up until it was way behind him because he's just sprinting. He is just hauling, has no awareness that he is so open. <laughs> and like, and I mean, I, I tell, I, I say that story because honestly, like, I want, like, Valus needs a play like that. Yes. So bad. So bad. It, any kind of confidence and it's just not going to happen. I, I feel bad for him. Like, I feel bad. Like he's had such a tough career, like injuries, yep. not doing it. USC transferring, like struggling a little bit his rookie year, even some injuries there. Like, like he just needs such a confidence play. And it's like that play against Dallas last year, like this play, like it's just, it's just, it's not going to come together for him. That's the thing. Like, I don't want to take a second year player and immediately declare it over. But, oh boy, that is that is like a so it's over then kind of play yeah. <laughs> from a wide receiver. That just can't happen, man. And, like, maybe the new staff, which I do hope there will be a new staff, comes in and somehow gets him back on the same page. Maybe that happens. But it, this puts him pretty heavily behind the eight ball. Like I would argue that a play like that is going to spend any amount of grace that you have left. Right. When now you're still on the roster because your contract is cheap enough that there's just no reason not to cut you. Like 
why why not almost but mm-hmm. that's well, i mean there, there already were the punt return issues you know what i mean like if, if you <laughs> exactly with the punt returns then you still could like hang around because like okay he give me the returner right. for all of that and right. do the jet sweeps and maybe a deep shot here or there but we, i mean kick returners are a dime a dozen so right now if darnell mooney and tyler scott god forbid get hurt you're going to give trent taylor more reps than you are Valus jones and in and of itself that's that's too that's that's bad that, well, that really can't happen. Too. He'll come back at some point. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. So Tyson Bajan. Okay. So let's talk about him. There's a lot, there's a lot of chatter about Tyson Bajan. Okay. So, you know, the film from last week, you know, I didn't actually end up making a video. I didn't have time for that. We, I had, uh, I'm a, let's take a two minute break and talk about this. I, I had three Halloween parties, Robert. That's this a lot weekend. of Halloween parties. Okay, so my my neighbor, then then some of my friends had one, then we hosted one, and you know it's tis the season. You know I think it's it's good to get around people, you know, and and, and have fun and you know, chit chat. Are are you guys doing Halloween over there? I'm I'm sure we are. Yes, I think. But okay. I mean, our son is one. Okay, he, I'm okay. sure you can hear it in my throat. I haven't been healthy, like as in not sick for a month, and. This month is not going to be better, but yeah, he's going to go as a little dinosaur and we're going to be there's dinosaur. the yes. main characters from Jurassic Park. So it's like the whole, ah, you know, but yep. anyways, three Halloween parties. So, 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 I, well, I'm just going to talk about like last night was our, right. our, and so we had, we had, we had outfits for Friday, me and my family. What did you guys go as? So, so that was, uh, on Friday was a, um, uh, my neighbors had a, um, in, the 50th anniversary of the exorcist, I guess was okay. this year. Okay. So they had an angels and demons party. So I dressed up as an angel for that. Yeah, you and did. Then, and then the, the missus did the, had the, the horns and whatnot. But last night was my favorite one. So we spent, we spent a little penny on this, but oh, we got, okay. we got, we got three dogs. Okay. They're, they're like our children for now. And we dressed up as hocus pocus. Oh, that's awesome. So the three dogs were the three sisters and they had like, I can show the picture and they, they got like wigs and like, you know, the, right. the little dresses and stuff. And then right. I was, um, Billy Butcherson, the guy that comes out of like the grave, right. like the zombie guy, like I, I had that whole thing. And then she was, um, uh, the cat that, that they, they turned yes. the boy into like the black cat. So that, that was us last night, man. We had a, we had a party and. I I hosted um I have the board right here a big I have a big whiteboard I made Halloween Olympics yeah you did so I had like like literally like ten to twelve minute to win it games and I was scoring everybody and I That's bought awesome. actual first second third place medals for people so oh that is awesome yeah, that was that was a home party yeah. so you did that instead of making a video about Tyson Bages game against yes. the Raiders yes yes right and then so, and then tonight happens. And then happens. Yeah. And what did you think? So, I mean, um, I thought that Tyson Bajan played, I would not call him like a UDFA. I think he just played like a rookie tonight. He had Thank some, you. he had some great throws, like, like touch throws, put him in great spots. Um, I liked the command that he had running a lot of no huddle tonight for a rookie, a lot of no huddle. I mean, of course he's getting the call, but he's getting everyone lined up correctly i mean i can't recall maybe one delay of game which i was just like super impressed with like it just seemed like organizationally he did well with that 
But then he had some throws where they wanted to force it outside the numbers and try to make him win with his arm strength. And I think he was a touch late. So he was not anticipating enough to win throwing outside consistently. Yes. And I think that cost him a few where there was a couple that should have been picks, you know, and there were a couple that, you know, well, the, the one, the one pick over the middle, I put on Mooney because that's on fourth down and he's throwing it no matter what. I think it was fourth down, third or fourth down. And he has to throw that and it's there. And Mooney, that's your job. Cause I think he went to like body catch then if he extends out, I think Mooney catches it. But I think overall, um, I was impressed with what Bajan did for, again, the scope of a UDFA rookie in a primetime game on the road. Like I thought expecting way better than that, I think isn't really fair. I, I tend to agree with you and I'm not trying to be a homer as I say that. For instance, let me take, okay, so if this season has taught me anything, it's that counting stats are really as invaluable as all the nerds have been trying to tell me. So the comparison that I'm about to make is totally just for fun. It doesn't mean anything, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm going to read you two stat lines. I hope you don't know the stats of this one too well. You tell me which one is Tyson Bages, okay? Okay. So uh, one quarterback, quarterback A, went 22 for 33. He threw for 153 yards. He had... um, a touchdown. He did not have any interceptions. Probably gives it away. He took four sacks and he ends up with a 50.1 QBR and an 87.1 quarterback rating. Then you've got QB2. Uh, 25 for 30 out of 37. 232 yards. Average per throw of 6.3 as compared to QBA's 4.6. No touchdowns, two interceptions, one sack, 62 QBR. Uh, the obvious QBB is Tyson Bajant because I did not mask this well. Do you know right. who QBA is and when? Tyson Bajant last week? Uh, that's Bryce Young in his start ah. against the Saints, his okay. second start of his career. Yeah, I don't think that that's truly apples to apples, but the point is rookie quarterbacks aren't good. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like CJ Stroud, I looked his up. I mean, he's just this gaudy 30 for 47, 382 yards, 8.2 yards per like yards per pass, two touchdowns, six Mm -hmm. sacks. (laughs) I mean, like, like one of the things, like if, if I were to tell you, Robert, that, okay, we're going to have this D2 UDFA guy start on the road against the chargers as a rookie. Like you would expect that the whole thing to be like, oh man, it's probably going to be a mess. There's probably like five turnovers. It's going to be like Todd Collins or, you know, some of those guys, like it's going to be a mess, like lots of delay games. People aren't lined up correctly. Like just he's going to take like eight sacks. And like, that's not what Tyson Bajan is, which to me is, I think is super impressive of his mental makeup to be prepared and to be ready. And just, again, they, they, (laughs) Chris Collinsworth, I think, loves Tyson Bajor, by the way, which I like him too, but man, Chris he talks him up a bunch. Well, Chris Collinsworth and uh Chris Collinsworth and his partner were trying really hard. It's Tariko, right? It's Tariko on yeah, Sunday Mike football. Trico, yeah. They were working really hard to not make it plain that the game was over very, very quickly. Right. right. And even they couldn't really hide it. But it's so funny, like you're talking about, because everybody came ready for the story. I mean, expectations are the whole problem here, right? which we'll get into in a minute. But it's funny because now I'm down this rabbit hole of looking at rookie quarterback statistics. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, 
24 for 39, 238 yards, a 6.1 average, zero or touchdowns, one interception in a loss to the Chargers not all that long ago, right? Mm-hmm. And his his statistics, interestingly enough, are hilariously similar to Tyson Bajan's statistics. And if that's the case, like you're saying, Tyson Bajan looks like a mid-round quarterback. Does that about speak to what your eyes are seeing? And yeah. not a UDFA. The Bears from, from, from a power five school. The Bears basically stole a like a fourth round pick, developmental backup rookie, which I think yeah. is sweet. And mm-hmm. I definitely think that there's like you said this perfectly. There are some of the throws that Bajant made that were really, really solid. Finding yep. Valus Jones in the end zone, thumbs up for that. Placing the ball down the sidelines to Mooney, thumbs up for that. The zone beater, thumbs up for that. The ball mm-hmm. to DJ Moore in the flat, like, or I guess it was a deep, or it wasn't deep, but it was just a long crosser, thumbs up for that. Yeah, Four he, tur- he, had a, he had a loft that went in. That mm-hmm. was nice. Four turnover worthy plays, thumbs down for that. We, we right. got to get that under control because mm-hmm. the tardiness is the only reason Asante Samuel was able to get involved on that fourth and one play or if the ball comes out faster or if we drive it with more velocity because that's the key. Tyson can't be late. Justin, no. maybe he can be late. Yep. Caleb yep. Williams, Drake May, maybe they can be late because they've mm-hmm. got the arm to just jam the ball in there anyways. Tyson, you can't be late. And he's nope. lucky that he didn't come come away with an interception there. He's lucky he didn't come away with an interception on that lofted ball over the middle. Frankly, I think he's unlucky that Darnell Mooney didn't just get decked and the ball hit the ground immediately. Like right. the fact that that popped into somebody's hands was just unlucky. The other throw he had, I am in my bones. I thought DJ Moore was supposed to have some kind of curl sight adjust because that right. seemed that's like that's too. where the ball went. The idea yep. that he just airmailed Mooney that hard actually seems pretty out of character for the way yes. that Tyson's throwing the ball, yep. but nothing's out of the question. So mm-hmm. it's still a turnover worthy play. It's mm-hmm. more to say, Nick, that honestly, this was the performance I expected last week. The fact that he kept any right. erraticness yeah. under control last week, that's what made it so impressive. Still mm-hmm. only takes one sack tonight. So the offensive line's protection generally looks pretty good, but it's kind of moot because right. when the Bears and, run the ball for 2.9 yards per carry, oh, Tyson's brand of football, as it currently exists, simply isn't going to work. And it didn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, so, yeah, so, so I got three things that are quick. So one for people that are listening. So a sight adjustment is when the the coverage is something that's different than the play dictates. So like, for example, let's say that uh, DJ Moore is on the outside and the route calls for a hitch, a five-yard hitch route, okay? You're in five yards, you turn around, look at the quarterback. If the corner is in a hard cover too, so he's literally sitting right there, then the route converts to a go. He just keeps running, okay? That's a sight adjustment. That's like, okay, we're going to make this adjustment based off of what I see, and the quarterback has to know what he thinks he's going to see, and then they link up. And like, you see those all the time with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's sickening, like the sight adjustments that they do. So that's that's what Robert was saying there. Like they they just weren't on the same page with what the side adjustment was going to be. But the running game that was one of my other just big gripes that I have is that 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 just can't happen. That was like embarrassing for a run defense that wasn't that great with the Chargers. I mean, 
it, it's better than their past defense, but it wasn't great. And the other thing I thought that was peculiar, okay? I know that he's not Justin Fields, but Tyson Bajan can move a little bit. Mm-hmm. Why was he not involved in the running game at all? Even for the even for the uh, the short ones, right? Third and short, fourth and short boots. I mean, there was there was a couple of rollouts, but like, why didn't they have that in the game plan at all? Again, that puts you plus one in the box. I guess I am of the impression. So look, I I can't give you a good answer, right? But Derek Carr can move a little bit, and they're obviously not going to run Derek Carr. Jordan Love can move a little bit, and they're only going to start to run Jordan Love when they feel like they're out of options throwing the ball. The only way I know how to say this is that's just not what the NFL does, right? I don't know if the NFL is just scared of linebackers. They might be. I don't know if they're scared of edge rushers. They might be. I don't know if they think that Tyson doesn't have enough like body mass and weight to take on some of these hits and just wear them throughout the course of an NFL game. I, I don't know what to tell you, Nick. All I know is you don't see it outside of college outside of these quarterbacks well, that love to run the ball. And I mean, we, I mean, there, I mean, there's again, today is a big example. There's a lot of quarterback injuries, so I will give you that totally, but okay. Like this might come off poorly, but they're losing. You're right. Tyson right now. We don't deem him as the long-term starter for the bears. Likely, right? Probably not, but maybe who knows? The, the the risk here, right? Like, hey, we're gonna need you to do this to, to win this game. We gotta do a couple of things to, outside of the normal here. Like, instead of the jet sweep to Trent Taylor, like I would rather see something misdirection and and Bajant keeps it and he might have a deep post or deep over. So like that's not there, then he can run like like something to give you another option because him just sitting back there is fine because he's good at that. But we saw in the preseason, we saw it last week, he can move. Like this is another again. Totally. How how many how many weeks do we talk about this? Like uh Justin Fields has this area of his game that we're not utilizing. Like Getsy, like play to your player's strengths. I feel like we're just ignoring this part of his game. Totally. I just, I wouldn't be a consistent analyst if I wasn't the guy who hated the quarterback run game when it was fields under center. And now I'm like, oh, come on. We can't have to get, or the answer can't always be QB run game. Even though funnily enough, I don't, I don't know what it is with bad bears teams and their backup quarterback that always brings out the wide receiver reverse pass back to quarterback. But I mean, it is like clockwork that, you know, the backups in the game. I th- I think he had a step on him. Don't you? I think he had him. Mooney's not hitting that ball outside right? shoulder. Mooney. Come on. <laughs> he had it. it was, and, and like, imagine if Bajan, oh my gosh, like, if Bajan like, and Moss, if he Khalil mossed, Mack. if he mossed Khalil Mack, everybody always wants to visualize it. I, it would have been awesome. It would have been awesome. If that had happened, I don't know, man. I think it's just tough because you want the quarterback to feel like they're doing well playing their game. And it feels as if there's a lot of this quarterback run game stuff where you'll see the Eagles lean into it. You'll see the uh, the Ravens lean into it because Hertz and Lamar believe it is their game. And we saw it a little bit with Fields, though, like definitely less this year, which I don't know why. I, I don't know because we're not in the room and I can't guess what is or isn't going on. But it's not like, I mean, 
we've talked about this other thing before where the moment you start to pin it on one person, you're going to implicitly not you're you're going to implicitly not critique in uh other people that deserve it enough, right? It's not as if Luke Getzey has shined amidst all of this. It's not as if Tyson Bagent carried the offense by himself. The offensive line yeah. certainly lost their war tonight. And then the all 22, I'm going to figure out where number two is because the chargers certainly seemed like they did. And I wouldn't be surprised if they bracketed DJ Moore nearly all game to try to basically mm-hmm. say that guy, he doesn't beat us. Not him. Which, which again leads me to Darnell Mooney, one reception. Cole Komet, I mean, Cole 10 Komet receptions. Had, Cole Komet had 10 on 10 targets. Caught up, caught up with the rest of his, what, per game totals or whatever. Right. I don't know. Like, ugly ball game, if you ask me. You got a pretty normal rookie slash backup quarterback performance. Look down the field. Turns out you don't like what you see. Check it down. We don't get the yards. Right. For mm-hmm. third and three, we're not throwing past the sticks. We're we're checking it down to Deontay Foreman, or maybe it was Roshan Johnson, who pushes up the field for two yards, sets up a fourth and one that we do not get. Right? Like every play matters. If you ever wonder why people obsess over optimizing the plays as much as you can, it's because eventually you run into a defense where I mean, football fans, you've all seen it, where that that play where the quarterback had that receiver open for a touchdown, they miss him and they end up not getting the first down. Like, it is hard in football to pick up first downs on command. In fact, it doesn't happen a lot, right, Nick? And so having a quarterback... defense, maybe. Right. It, having a quarterback that can push the ball down the field is important. I don't know. Let me say one hot take, okay? Nick, this is my hot take, right? Everybody's turning fields... And Fields and Bajent into this like conjoined, like dumb thing, if you ask me. Sorry. Sorry if you're doing this. Sorry if you think it's the smartest thing ever. Sorry if it's the only conversation that you can have with your friends right now. Bajent struggling doesn't mean Fields would have been any better. I think the way that the Chargers were playing, either quarterback would have gotten popped. And I feel no weird way saying that. Like a fully healthy Fields, I don't think was going to win. Would he have done better than Bajent? I don't know. We didn't watch the game. I don't know. Or like, we didn't see Fields play that game. Fields, to me right now, I am worried there's a book out on him and that the co- or the defensive coordinators that read and follow that book shut Fields out, whereas the defensive coordinators that quote-unquote play their game, like we saw with Denver, who busted every third coverage that they called, and Washington, who played the same cover two shell the entire game, they're going to get smoked and that everybody else is going to keep a lid on Fields. But Bajent is not on the same timeline. It's not Bajent's third year. He's a rookie. He's not trying to be the starter. He's probably trying to be the backup because anybody that's going to get drafted this year, whether that's, I don't know, Quinn Ewers, Caleb Williams, Drake May, or I'm trying to think of another Quinn Ewers-like, um, I Michael don't know. Penix Jr.? Penix, Penix Jr., perfect J.G. McCarthy? Those guys are going to audition for your starting role. Tyson Bagent, if he lucks into the starting role, if he go, does what Purdy did and wins 11 games, because as much as you and me, Nick, would say wins aren't a quarterback stat, ooh, owners, owners feel a little different. And players in the locker room, they feel a little different. Like when a guy goes on a winning streak, he becomes the guy. You know what I'm saying? 
Like well, I, I know what you mean. I mean, and I did this study, and I've talked about it on here multiple times. But I mean, Chicago gave up thirty points. Um, I'm not sure how much of that I put on Tyson Bajant, and uh, even someone called Trevor Lawrence when his defenses gave up twenty four or more points, he's like two and sixteen is his record. Like, yep, this is just bad. And and I think today you talked about this. You know. This shows that we're not a quarterback away. This is no. this is not Tyson Bajan didn't lose the game tonight. No. The Chicago Bears weren't good tonight. And so, yeah, we, we need a lot. And and for people that are looking, I'll just help you out right now. Tankathon has Chicago right now at picks two and three. Arizona's one and seven. That's why, because Carolina's one and six. Uh, that would actually be flipped if they both had played the same amount of games. So you know, I mean, if it's a quarterback or if it's going to be Marvin and whomever, whatever, Chicago is going to get help and how we're going to do that. We'll find out in the coming weeks, but Chicago is far more away than just the quarterback uh, air quotes. If you're watching this controversy and I get where all the different bears fans come from focusing on the quarterback, the quarterback becomes the easy topic of conversation. Why wouldn't it be? Because if your quarterback can win a shootout, then you can watch the whole game. Like Bears fans, I'll put this in a way that I don't know if other people are putting it this way. I'm not trying to be some super smarty Nick, but Bears fans are getting robbed of football games. We spent all day, just like Carrie Underwood said, waiting for Sunday night. And we got to what, 20 football minutes before it was over. Like, I mean, these games are short for the most part. Why did people fall in love with Tyson Bajant in the first place? Because he was the first Bears quarterback in an awfully long time to deliver them an entire football game. Like, mm-hmm. And it, that's partially just because Justin Fields planted the dagger so fast in the Washington Commanders that the game just kind of hung in that weird pseudo state for an awfully long time when the Bears had a 27-point lead, slowly watched it get chipped away before Fields and the offense finished it. The point being that fixing the quarterback, sure, that may make them competitive, but the Bears are, I think, a major systemic change away from really succeeding. Either yep. that or they need like five more all pros on defense, which is easier, probably the first option. Well, right? well also, also because because I know you know every bear listens to this podcast, Nate Davis, we miss you. Come back soon. You, that that will help everyone out a lot. And it doesn't help um, anything that like most analytics did not like this Chargers defense and they mm-hmm. played like they had no trouble, not really with the bears offense. The bears offense had some, you know, NFL caliber drives, but we saw today what it looks like when a team plays with their third string quarterback with, um, I get Tommy DeVito in New York. It's not pretty. This is, that's not the offense the bears were running, but they Tyson were running way better than that. Yes, but Tyson Bagent might be in the same category as Joshua Dobbs until he proves otherwise, Yes, right? Yes. Also a draft pick. Also a relatively viable backup that's kept his team in, in games. I guess might be kind of a loose way to put it, mm. but in games, well, kind of. Well, but, but also I think what you're getting to is like, like Bears fans, like we can root for both guys. Yes. I am I am excited about Tyson Bagent and what totally he's shown, separate. I think is like, is like, Blowing our minds with how well he's doing. If that doesn't mean he's going to be Brock Purdy or Tom Brady. Could he be? Maybe. But what he's already proven is that he's going to be, I hope, the Bears backup quarterback for a minimum of the next four seasons. 
And I hope he continues to do better and he continues to improve whenever he has to play or not play, but he's still going to evolve because he's a rookie. And I hope Justin Fields does well. I, we don't have to pin this against you have to pick one or the other and no. all this kind of stuff. I want both of them to succeed. If Justin Fields doesn't work out in Chicago, it won't be because Tyson Bajan pushed him out is really what I'm trying to get at here. Like Tyson Bay or Justin Fields will or won't be the starting quarterback. Justin Fields, because he carries a first rounders contract and like a good, what do you think? 35% minimum of the fan base is literally going to want him to start over anybody that the bears acquire. <laughs> like I'm, I'm serious, Nick, help me put a percentage on this. Yeah. I mean, not, not saying it's definitely you, but like it, there is a sect of the fan base that anybody who thinks I'm crazy Envision the scenario where the Bears draft Drake May, the most, the middle one, right? Not Caleb Williams, who everybody's inventing this idea that he's Fields. He's not Fields. He's Caleb Williams. They're different players with different flaws. Anyways, Very different. Like they they draft Drake May, the big pocket general quarterback with the with a what howitzer strapped to his arm. He, he reminds me of Herbert, honestly. People are going to want, there's a percentage of the fan base that is yes. going to want Fields to start while the Rook gets his legs under him. Yes. That percentage of the fan base is the reason Fields can't stay in the long-term picture if that's the direction the Bears go. Not mm-hmm. because I'm trying to be brutal, but because you need a clean break from these quarterbacks that create rowdy fan bases, that create rowdy stadiums, that get weird when weird things happen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Tyson yeah. Bajant is a whole separate thing. Like, I don't think, I mean, again, I think Brock Purdy is a story that has been told a thousand times, but 999 tellings of it don't involve him becoming the starting quarterback. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, like, and, and and you're finding that out even right now because Purdy's had a couple, well, they've lost three games in a row. He's had a couple, couple of bad games in a row and now people are like oh look see this is who he is that's that percentage of nfl fan bases or the nfl or analysts they're still there because they want to say you know what brock i was right brock purdy isn't that guy like there's still going to be those people that are out to get tyson bajan whomever or all these quarterbacks that aren't first round picks or whatever like oh yep see i was right nick Foles, same thing right they were waiting for nick Foles to falter be like yep you know what he's a fourth round pick see look at this right and i mean these are the same people like you talk to a steven ruiz from the ringer who's one of the more i i assume notable voices that's like very anti brock purdy like very pro justin herbert i i could name you a bunch of names that he's pro and you're gonna laugh because you're gonna go well well duh but that's his whole point right his whole point is that like josh allen is really good and that patrick mahomes is really good and that trevor lawrence is really good and that we can overthink it sometimes and take a guy like Purdy, who has less tools, really successful in a Shanahan offense, but you put him in a position where he doesn't have Debo, he doesn't have Trent Williams, he starts to get a more NFL normal supporting cast, except right. the wheels kind of fall off yeah. a little faster than you mm-hmm. thought they would if he was one of those guys. But that's not really the point, right? Because there was a sect of the Jacksonville Jaguar community that thought Gardner Minshew was going to compete, legitimately compete, with Trevor Lawrence, yep. the same people will potentially like build a similar story out of Tyson Bajan 
and a potential future rookie if that's the direction the Bears go. But I'm going to be honest with you, Nick. They're two and six. We are trending very, very quickly in that direction one way or another. But Bailey Zappi is the other one. The mm-hmm. same thing with Mac Jones. I mean, it's it's the same type of thing. But but either way, the point is, is that I've been impressed with Tyson Bajan. Right. I think for like, like realistic expectations of like what I thought tonight could be besides the putrid 2.9 yards per carry of the run game. This is about what I thought he would be like. He, I think you're going to have some good throws. You're going to have some bad throws, but because of the respect I have for his intellect, he's going to operate it well. Um, But that's what a rookie quarterback is. And like, I'm still want him to succeed. I still want fields to succeed. And when fields is healthy enough, he's going to be back starting. Have you ever watched an Olympic fencing match? Why would I watch an Olympic fencing you match? You know, I just am taking a shot in the dark. <laughs> are, you, are you watching ESPN 8, the Ocho over there, You Robert? know, there's just, I've, I've watched enough Olympics in my day that I have seen it because why wouldn't wow. I want to watch people sword fight in real life? That's cool as hell, right? Wow, but j- jousting, is that next? Jousting is badass. Don't you dare <laughs> knock jousting. If I got to watch Olympic is jousting. This, is this where we get to this podcast? I mean, like now we've, now we've, now we're turning a corner. Now, okay, the Olympic podcast of Bear With Us is here. If I got to watch an American hold a shield with a lance and splinter the shield of a Canadian, take him off the horse and win a joust and get a gold medal for doing so, I would lose my mind. And I know you would too when you saw the Twitter highlight. You'd be like, it's badass. <laughs> but anyways, the reason I bring up fencing is because fencing is really clear about who's on the offensive and who's on the defensive right because they take steps forward and they take steps backward and the defender takes steps backwards until they achieve a neutral position and then they go on the offensive right a player like tyson bajan needed his run game to dictate the opposing defense so that he could be the aggressor against looks that had been pared down for him right that is okay it's first down they've got one safety in the box because we are gashing them when they when they go to too high there's only so many different coverages that they can call out of this subset and i know we're gonna see them so i'm gonna go to either my guy cole commit if they drop this guy out or if they keep him up tight to the line i'm gonna tuck a ball in on a smash route to the receiver behind him when the bears didn't get the run game to go in their direction tyson has to face i mean if we were going to use exponential numbers, not double the coverage sets, about quadruple, right? Because once you start allowing a defense to do literally whatever they want to, they can hit you with things you've never seen before or things that they've never showed before or any combination they're in. It's- well, and, and, and I also think that part of the game plan was we're going to beat them over the top because they're waiting on this short stuff. And when you don't have the run game to threaten that play action shots, they're just hanging back. Especially when, when you go down three right. scores, they're just like prevent defense. Okay. And we'll, and we'll jump these ones on the outside, but that those ones that are, you know, a post a corner, whatever, we're just going to be hanging back there for those. And it wouldn't surprise me if there are going to be guys open. I mean, say what we will about Justin Fields, harp on him as much as we will guys that have been in the league for a while, miss people open. Brian Hoyer missed people open. Everyone. Like, it happens. And so a rookie missing people open wouldn't surprise me, but it also wouldn't surprise me if the Chargers covered it up decently just because they had the bodies to do it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I I end up feeling not bad for Tyson Bajan, but what I feel like is that there was this group of people on the internet that took 
a win over the Raiders and made Bajan out to be the savior of the franchise. And then the like greater NFL landscape freaking loved it. And they said, hell yeah, he's the set or he's the savior of the franchise so that they could get people to click on all these articles. And it sets up a guy who is objectively, what do you think? Top three, three 3% of UDFAs simply because he has started and oh. won a game ever. Maybe even better. And, and, and you're right because like, it's part of what's wrong. I think with society where we go into this, like either someone's the goat or they're trash, or they're trash. like, like, like there's this whole middle area and what, what tonight takes away from is that, you know, that sector of people that want him to be this larger than life, whatever is Tyson Bajan is still a good player for a UDFA rookie. He still is a good developmental quarterback. And the story isn't gone for, for the expectations I had for him and what I still will. But like, I just think like, not every quarterback is going to be Brady or, or Purdy. Like, just be realistic. But a lot of people aren't. It's always goat or nothing. Right. And who knows? Maybe he won't be. He's a UDFA. I mean, especially if they flip the staff, he will get no grace just because he exists. Right? He'll mm-hmm. have to keep proving it. And that's well, the part of like his background that is going to be hard. But I have a feeling somebody's going to make room for him, if only because, I mean, he has at least proven a little bit of something at the NFL okay. level. Well, but yeah. it wasn't his night. Well, so, well, would you rather have him or would you rather have uh, the Giants quarterback they had today? The That's the thing, though. Remember? Because that's a third-string quarterback. So, right. Like, right. But I'm just saying, like, like you could just keep slotting that in, and you're like, hmm, you know, I think he's better than this guy, better than that guy. Like, I think he's already earned – he's earned money in his career. The, I sure think so. Games. I mean, there's it's a short list of guys that have won a, a won a game in the NFL that they have started. It is a mm-hmm. short list. And yep. there are some guys that squeezed their way on there, just like Trent Dilfer squeezed his way onto the Super Bowl winner list. It's football. It happens. Well, right. Bryce Young finally squeezed on the list today. Finally. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Tyson Bajet wins versus Bryce Young wins. Oh, oh there it is. There it is. He's better than Bryce Young. You heard from Robert, everybody. But so I actually mm, no, he's not. He's not. But right now, Bryce Young is playing such bad football that <laughs> there's like, anyways, separate discussion. The overall, though, Nick, I can't help but feel like if I was going to give final thoughts, my final thoughts are that I'm disappointed, but not surprised. I said in the end of my predictions that I built everything up just like I still built the game up. And I, my first words were that the Bears were going to come out flat. And that is exactly what happened i mean they were through and through flat i gave them 31 to 14 i think i did give them 31 to 14 i need to go back and check now that maybe i gave them 27 to like 14 or something like that yeah i think i was i was 24 14 i think you were 27 14 but all that to say i thought the defense would hold a little bit and truly the only reason the score was this low was because brandon staley was merciful to his former organization. And for that, Brandon, I appreciate you, (laughs) but it was a wild experience. I don't want to say out of body, but man, Nick, I hate watching these games where a quarter starts the fourth quarter starts. And I am just on Twitter waiting for the game to be over. Well, in, in the, in the problem is, and we've kind of talked about this is um, it sucks having to, 
cheer for a franchise, which we're always going to cheer for the Bears, but cheer for a franchise that just isn't competitive in games in the most of the games. And like, even if it's not even within a score, like, cause it creates some kind of excitement and there was no excitement in this game outside after the first, you talk about like five, 10 minutes of real football is like, okay, all of it's gone. And like, that's, that was exciting last week. That was exciting with the Washington game. Even the Denver game was close. Like, but the green Bay game, like it was like, Oh, like, like the wind's just out of the sails yep. so much with this franchise. And like, that's not the NFL norm. And at some point, we got to be the, be the NFL norm or these coaches are going to be gone and we're leaning that way. And football's a brutal sport that exists in tears. I mean, if you're a baseball team that loses 100 games, you win 60 and you will win some against these clubs that win 100 games. And it won't make actual sense, but it'll happen. If you're mm -hmm. a hockey team, in 82 games, you are going to win a fair share of games where your goalie just stands on his head, saves 45 shots, and you win two to one. I, I like nowhere. that you said stands on his head. You you, you know hockey if you I say do. that. I, I like do know that. hockey, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah. then in football, you'll get these games where you look and you go, oh, yeah, no, I shouldn't have been surprised. Nick and I talked about this. This was a Chargers team that went blow for blow with the Dolphins. They went blow for blow with the Chiefs until they just kind of didn't. Like the Vikings, when they had Justin Jefferson, that was a battle. This was not your normal two and four team. And the Chargers were very clear about that tonight. Yep. But it is a while this is a game, I'm going to conclude with this. This is truly the most optimistic thing that I think I could say, Nick. This was a better result than the opposite. Like, if the Bears had ground out a big victory out of nowhere, you are looking at either you're hoping Matt Eberflus really proves himself to not be whatever you saw earlier in the season, or you hope Tyson Bagent was just eyes on fire, or you hope that the roster had just turned a corner and become truly that good. That Darnell Wright was that guy. That all these rookies were playing at like near all pro level. Because outside of that, the Bears would have gotten this cornerstone win that they could have based a an, an entire extra year. Like a 2024 year of the Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze regime. Or Matt Eberflus and some other new offensive coordinator. Instead, the weird good news, Nick is that this bad Bears team was who we thought they were. And they played like it. And yep. George McCaskey watched it because there was nothing to distract him. And <laughs> Virginia McCaskey watched it. And what Kevin Warren was scowling. That, that, that was did you did you see him with that, with that thing? And he had this, he had his pen. And right. I, I I just imagine he was like, okay, I'm firing you. You're right. getting fired. Like as he's watching, like, I mean, that's you're right. The The only hope would have been if they would have ground out some kind of win is that you look in the division. Okay. Unfortunately, the Vikings are not going to contend without Kirk Cousins or anyone no. else in there. Like it's not going to be close. And I feel bad for Cousins and for that group because Addison looks like a player and Jefferson's going to come back and Hawkinson's good. Like that sucks. And then now I have to like start almost cheering for Green Bay because they can't be that bad. They keep really losing all these games. <laughs> like, come on, you have to win some game, Green Bay. Like, you know, and that's the thing too is that I want love to like look okay so they extend them at some point. But with that the whole division that bad, is if falling you were part of the seams, man. Yeah, that like, like like if you win today, 
then you jump Green Bay, then you know, you you envision probably jumping Minnesota. Like like you could tell yourself that story, but now we don't have to do that because now basically they have to win out or Matt Eberflus is gone. Probably. And now Justin Fields, I think, is magically going to be healed next week. Because oh, I definitely think he's going to magically be healed, which is still tough living for Fields because yes. he draws the hardest defense they've played in weeks. Yep. <laughs> like, and, then, and then and then short week Carolina, then he can like rest up a little longer, right? Right. So, yeah, we'll we'll know. I mean, and again, I I am still not counting out Justin Fields. I mean, even for the fact of. We'll have the conversation at some point here of if they win a couple of games and Carolina, not now it's like, okay, is it JJ McCarthy? Or do you want to stick with fields? Like that becomes a very different conversation for me. Yes. But again, I want Justin Fields to succeed. I want these players to develop. I want Tyson Bajan to succeed. And Bear fans, we can hopefully get a better regime post them and we'll figure out a quarterback later. I want to piggyback just a little off of what you're saying, because I think the most mentally strenuous part of this kind of era as a Bears fan, if you feel exhausted, so do we, because you end up in this place where you're cheering for two things that are polar opposites, right? On one hand, you want literally every bear on the team to play well, but how do they do that? And you don't win some of these games. Right. Because you don't want them to like win the game, win the game. It, okay. So that's the thing. Hang on before, before you click off, before you tell me in the comments that I suck and everything in between, like, I get it. You want the bears to make the playoffs. But if you're like me, the moment that they show you that they're not a playoff contender, being a five win team only brings up bad memories of when the bears have gone on tidy little three game win streaks to end the season that have dropped their draft position. And we've watched Aaron Donald get drafted one pick ahead of the bears. We've watched uh, Leonard Williams get drafted one pick ahead of the bears. Like we've watched what would have been the bears pick become Quentin Nelson. Like this has happened all the time. The Mm -hmm. game changing players go to that other team and that other team enjoys this nice run of success. And the athletic football show talks about how much they love the Atlanta Falcons. And they're not talking about how much they love the Chicago bears because we (laughs) love the Falcons, man. They love the Falcons, but, but we drafted in the middle of the round with a pick that wasn't ours because we had to trade up because we went on those extra wins. And because of that, we're in a hole and we're not in a hole anymore. Yes. Yes. Like we, right about out and like like it could be it it could be special like even if let's say fields proves he's the guy and we still suck because the defense is terrible okay but right sure then you're adding in pieces and you're and then it's like ooh, or you get a new quarterback and you're still adding pieces it's like okay what i here's my last question for you that we're i want people to know this okay this is 12 17 central Monday morning, mm-hmm. okay, because it's now it's Monday. I still have a post game. We're recording this for too. you guys. That, that's how we're doing this, okay. Mm-hmm. The trade deadline is Tuesday. Yes, we heard the rumors, and then we heard the rumors are not true about Chase Young to Chicago. Right? Is anything going to happen before the trade deadline? Robert? So I was one of these crazy people that wanted Washington to win. Because everybody heard, oh, if Washington loses, they're going to sell a guy at the deadline. And I was like, yeah, and if they win, they're not. And they're going to just go to free agency. 
Like it, you don't have to pay the pick. And so my guess is that the bears have been second or third in a lot of trade offers, but that they aren't moving above second or third for a lot of these trade offers. How did Mike McGlinchey get the contract? He did happy for him in Denver. I'm glad he's not in Chicago because I have a feeling the Bears made a strong offer and somebody else topped it. How did Javon Hargrave get the offer that he did? I bet you the Bears made a strong offer and somebody else topped it. Draymond Mm -hmm. Jones, strong offer. Bet you somebody else topped it. Zach Allen. That's what these are, right? And I bet you that doesn't change. Just because the Bears are, they're two and six. I mean, Chase Young or Chase Claypool. Chase Young. And that's, that's what's so funny. Like, Chase Young, the juice really is worth the squeeze, uh, but not if it doesn't work. The only the only thing is this is this this twenty twenty four DN class isn't isn't amazing. They have some edge talent, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't know that there's anyone that's a top eight guy. No. So that might make you be like, mm, maybe the Chase Young, because Montez Sweat I think has a high floor, low ceiling. Yes, and I don't. And it's obviously not as enticing. That's I why I do we love those Chase kinds Young. of players, though, just because they play the games. Like right. Chase right. Young would frustrate me a lot because the moment we sign him, he plays two games, then he's hurt for ten. I'm gonna freak out. Like, yes. uh, yeah. but that's just me being a tortured fan. To to your okay, here's a question. All right, I know we are an hour and forty one minutes into this. In a tiny little nutshell. How would you solve the edge position? What would you do? Go. Um, I, the problem is, is that I would have to sign anyone next offseason. Whoever mm-hmm. it is, whoever that person is, it could be Rashawn Gary. Could it be. could be, depending, if you change your scheme, it could be Bryce Huff. Could be. It could be either the Washington guys. I mean, there are some guys that could be free agents. Could be. And they could decide, hey, I don't want to go back to that other team. And I want to get the most money. And Chicago will have to pay them the most money. Mm-hmm. That's that's one option. And the other part of this is what scheme are we running? Is it going to be 34 again? Is it going to be 43? A lot of teams run multiple schemes, by the way. Everyone thinks it's just like just one. It's not. Right. But you have to sign a minimum of two ends next year. One could be top end and one could be a middle tier guy that could be a rotational guy. And then you have to draft at least one guy before the end of day two. That's right. the min- bare minimum that I would do is I'm signing a top guy. I'm signing a mid-tier type guy. That could be almost a Yannick guy. I don't care. Or Yannick. Yannick and then, would look a lot better if there and was it could a be round guy. one or it could be a round two, round three guy. But those, I'm going to bring it at least three new edges next year. I agree. The, what I would do personally, so now that the Bears are two and six and we have no delusion because you have to remember, especially after Kirk got hurt, you were actually looking at like, okay, so once again, we have to use a big old word if, capitalize it, underline it, circle it, bold it. If the Bears were good enough to beat the Chargers, they might have had the most unlikely of playoff runs still in them because a bad Green Bay team, a bad Vikings team, and potentially stealing one from the Detroit Lions puts you in striking distance. Carolina. Exactly. You beat Carolina. Arizona. Arizona, you steal one of the Saints and Atlanta. Suddenly you're an eight win team. You might squeeze into the wild card. We're two and six. It's not happening. Get me all excited, man. We got smoked by the Chargers. We're not that team. 
right? It's more to show you how close we were to a really fun season. That Denver, been, Tampa, we were Minnesota game. So close, so close to our version of last year's Vikings team. Massively overinflated record and not that great a team. Yep. But all they had to do was take care of just a little bit of business. We are one of Green Bay's two wins and they popped us. How which, did that happen? Which, which, okay, so if we're not the Vikings from last year, right? It's destiny that we're going to get a quarterback, Marvin Harrison. Hope so. Um, but so moving on <clears throat> for Edge, my guy, I guess, is like Daniil Hunter doesn't have a, he has a no franchise tag clause. Like by all accounts, he's supposed to hit the market. Do I think he's the golden goose? No. But like you're saying, there's not a draftable golden goose either. Somebody's got to hold down the spot, right? And right now, the Bears don't have anybody that they could reasonably right. put out there. I'm interested in Jonathan Allen. I'm interested in Montez Sweat. I'm interested in Chase Young for the right price. I think Washington is going to want at least one round or one extra day two pick more than I want to give up. And if I'm the Bears, I'm just going to pout and keep my hands in my pockets. Because the team getting better doesn't really help me as much as I want to think it does, yeah. right? Skipping yeah. the Bears free agent class. And this is Ryan Pohl's decision. Matt Eberflus would say, get me that guy. Matt Eberflus isn't the GM. And so if I'm Ryan Poles, I have to think about next year's pick, especially mm -hmm. because what you tell me, um, Nick, what's the most important thing for the Bears that happened this weekend that wasn't the Bears loss? Do you have a guess? It's very vague. The Bears lost? So the Bears lost. Bummer. What's the second most important thing that happened this weekend? Uh, you, you, I don't know. The Panthers won. And in so doing, I would argue that if I was Ryan Poles, it, that's going to wake me up to how close the Bears are to blowing this. Right? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if the Bears don't land a top two pick, this gets harder. That's all. It's... Um, it's easier. It makes more sense. The transition's better. The sell for a future coach, all of that's better with a top two pick. The moment uh -huh. you end up with three and five, whoo, what do we do? Right? <laughs> like, because I mean, in your mind, you're like, I'm not packaging them both up for that. But if you're the Bears and someone has, you know, if, if it's Arizona and they have three and 11, you're like, yep, give me those two if you want. Drake May or Caleb exactly. Williams. Exactly. Number two, yep. I'm down to entertain that trade down. But the guys having to make the trade up, please no. Take anything else. How about yep. number three and Carolina's 2025? Exactly. Number two. Oh, you don't want to do that? Oh, that was my only idea. Like, oh, you, oh, you <laughs> want DJ Moore now? See, like it's the same thing. It's the bidding war. Exactly. And, and yeah, so you're you're right in that perspective. And that's what gives the the what Justin Fields is the rest of this year so important because it might not be Justin Fields against Caleb Williams. Might not be Justin Fields against Drake May. It might be Justin Fields against whoever QB3 is. Right. And if he shows enough this year, it might be like, well, we are going to hitch our wagons to him and we're going to bring in left tackle Marvin Harrison defensive guys, whatever, and right. go. And I personally think, as much as, I, I don't know, I love Jalen Johnson. I've been a pro-pay Jalen Johnson guy this whole time. But somehow, I actually wonder if Jalen Johnson has played his way into entertaining an extension, like to where you don't trade him, after all. 
God knows Eddie Jackson has no value. I don't think you could give him away. Like, unfortunately, I love Eddie. I think he rules. He cannot stay on the field. The the start of the season that he's had has been really, really, really rough. And Mm -hmm. then what is it? Um, Kansas City already traded for their receiver. So maybe we get some Halloween surprises uh, at the deadline tomorrow. But I just don't know, man. I kind of find myself thinking the Bears are going to stand pat. Maybe they shock us, right? But I don't know. And so I I can't help looking at this and thinking that a two and six Bears team, they won't pack it in. But the front office may build a little like fence around the coaching staff and the roster, and they may start to plan for the future while the Mm -hmm. team plays out the string. Does that make yep. sense? No, I I don't think that they're going to trade for anyone either because you're talking about the, the draft picks. Well, and also, I mean, I don't know. Do, do you play fantasy, Robert? Little. A mm-hmm. little bit. How long have you played for? I mean, like eight years, but then I always get distracted watching tape and forget to set my lineup. Okay. All right. But like a lot of fantasy owners, they'll be like, mm, I'm not drafting that guy because last year or two years ago, they got hurt and it Been burned there. my whole yes. team. Like they, they remember. They get mad. And, and what happened last year? Ryan Poles got made look like a fool for trade for Chase Claypool. And when he thought that was the right answer, which honestly, I know a lot of people are against this. I might be on an island. I think the process makes sense because at that time, we didn't have DJ Moore. And we had a young quarterback with no help. And you're like, we have to give him somebody or else we are really an incompetent front office. And it didn't work out. No. So do you think this year he's going to spend draft capital bringing in an edge in a lost season when it may or may not work out again? I don't think he's going to do it. I I don't think so. And I can't help but think that this is, this reminds me a lot of trade targets in the off season when, what was it? Who was it? Uh, oh gosh, not LT. Um, Colts running back. It's not Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. I get his Lawrence last name Taylor. right. I get his last name right. And then my brain just, Auto fills it Lawrence and it's late enough that I'm in late raw brain mode. It is late. The, the point being that when Jonathan Taylor was getting rumored to be traded, who was the, who was the team bidding after him the hardest quote unquote, it was the bears. Yeah, sure. Because the bears are still one of the most re- resource heavy teams in the NFL. If I thought you were saying green Bay. If an agent wanted to fluff somebody's value, if chase young's agent, if Washington's front yeah. office wanted you to fluff somebody's go. value, they just say Chicago's after him. And then yep. people freak out because if Chicago's offering a third, well, I don't have a third better than Chicago. I'm going to have yep. to give my, my second. And yep. oh man, you know, if we did trade for Chase Young, I bet you we could make the divisional round. Ooh, well then my second wouldn't actually be all that much higher than Chicago's. Ooh, that may be a good deal. Yeah, I think I could do that. This yep. is how Washington wins, right? Yep. Yep. But it doesn't mean as ridiculous as this sounds and I don't know, tinfoil hat, it doesn't mean Chicago's actually in it. Right. No. Like we won't know Chicago's in it until we, until it happens because yep. that's how they've operated. But mm-hmm. all this to say, I can't help but wonder, Nick, if we just watched the season end, like that it was writhing and it was trying to rise back up. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder if an emphatic defeat on Sunday night football was exactly what everybody in the front office needed right before the trade deadline to make decisions. Yeah, okay, so close it up. It's over. (laughs) Like, we're moving on. Get in touch with Ben Johnson's people. Like, 
I'm not saying they're going to sell off pieces. It's not about that, right? But more that the powers that be may have hit the point where they go, all right, so it's like that then. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I think that we all knew we were going to lose this game. So, so to did. me, it's not there. I understand what you're saying right before the deadline, but to me, like the Denver game was that game. Oh, man, the, minute, the Minnesota so game was more that game than this game is That's, because this game is like, it's Justin Herbert. No matter if they're two and four, it's Justin Herbert. We're on the road with, with Bajan. Like we're going to lose. It's the fifth time. If I've got there. Yeah, I, I do. Oh, that sucks. It is the fifth time that the Bears have played a game following a win, and it is the fifth time they have lost that game. Yeah, he hasn't won back-to-back games as head coach. Never, never, ever. And at this rate, I don't know if he will. But, Nick, you got anything? Final, 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 final things you want to say before we button this thing up? Um, My final thoughts are we should celebrate Tyson Bagent today. Not that he played perfect, but he played, I think, well for a UDFA rookie and that he is, at a minimum, a very valuable Chicago Bear moving forward. Um, I'm rooting for um, the development of all the young guys. And just personally, we talked about this off air. I had another really good day in DFS. So if... If people aren't reading my articles or following me for the DFS content, maybe you should because I'm winning. I've won hundreds of dollars three out of five weeks. There you go, Nick. And I'll be back with you guys to break down the spooky, spooky tape of this game a little later than usual. I've got some Halloween stuff I've got to do with my baby, baby son. Uh, So we'll probably start the show around nine this time around. Make sure it's well published so everybody knows, but you get it. The uh, I want to quickly just say a quick Halloween spooky prayer for Justin Herbert's ribs because TJ Edwards really did tee off. That was one of the hardest hits I've seen a quarterback yeah. take today. And he took it deep in a game that was well over, which was just ain't that football, man. Like mm-hmm. it reminds me of how one of the most important and impactful hits of the 2022 season was delivered by none other than Travis Gibson. Not that we knew it at the time he was playing his final season as a Chicago bear uh, against Jalen hurts, whose collarbone only just barely got better by the time the super bowl happened. Like yep. it is wild to think that the Chargers season may suffer because of a hit that truly happened well after the game was over. Totally legal hit too. But you guys are great. Rate us on every platform that you can. Five stars, please. Our Apple podcast reviews are struggling. We could use some five stars over there. Give us any feedback. If you you like the show, that rules. If you hate the show, let me know why you hate the show. Because we do want to make this the best show possible for all you wonderful Bears fans out there. And until next time, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with us. Good night, everybody. 